Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Keith, and the worship team for leading us in a time of worship, a time of praising our Lord and our Savior. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to, to look into God's Word, and, and I pray that you are as well. This morning, we are continuing our a series in the book of Psalm, the series that we've entitled, A Psalm for Every Season. And we'll be looking at Psalm 27 this morning. Last week, as Kelsey shared with us as he preached last Sunday, he, he led us into the season of spring. And he pointed out how in the season of winter, when the sun is shining, it, it's maybe bright, but it doesn't feel very warm to us. But as we come into this season of spring, the the sun is shining and it feels warm to our skin and, and nature responds to it as well. The earth begins to warm up and, and spring is a time of new life. It's a time of growth. The trees start to bud and, and the flowers push up and they start to, to bloom and the birds return from the south and life starts to feel warm and good. But in the midst of spring, there are storms that come as well. Sometimes we are looking out and we wonder what season we are in because you look out and you see the grass is turning green and the robins are hopping around in the grass. And a little bit later, maybe that same day, you look out and there's a, a snow squall that has come and the snow is covering the grass and the robins are shivering and we begin to think, has, has spring really sprung here? And as I look at my own life and, and the different seasons of my life, and winter representing a time of trial, of testing, feeling alone, maybe even questioning God in a time of depression. But as we come into spring, it's a time of faith in my my trust and my faith is growing and my, and my, I'm believing the things of God and he's teaching me and he's growing me into somebody that he has created to be. And I understand, as Keith shared with us, with us, as the Father delights in me. He loves me and he cares about me. But then a cloud comes rolling in and <clears throat> the snow begins to fall and I begin to question that. And I believe that's where David is in this psalm this morning. In Psalm 27, in the first six verses of this psalm, David finds assurance. He finds protection. and He's excited. He's praising God. And then as we get to verse 7 and verses 7 through 12, there's a, there's a very distinct difference in these verses. And it seems like the very things that David is excited about and that he's praising the Lord about in the, in the first six verses of this psalm, that he begins to question God and he's, he's asking God questions and he, he's crying out to God for, for him to, to speak again. There's such a distinct difference in these, two verse, or in these verses in this chapter that some people even question that this is maybe two psalms put together. But I believe as we look at verses 13 and 14 at the end of this psalm that we will see that's the link, that's the connecting part of that. 
the book of Psalm is, is poetry, and so maybe we could think of it as, as a song that you're singing. And, and the first six verses are, 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 are verse one of the song, and the, and the second verse, or second, yeah, verse of the song is, is, is verses seven to 12, and, and 13 and 14 are, are the chorus or the bridge of that song. But, so let's read Psalm 27 this morning. I'll read all 14 verses, but before we read, let's pray and let's ask the Lord to, to open our minds and our hearts here. Would you pray? Father, thank you for this morning and just thank you for this time that we can gather together. Lord, that we would worship you, that we would understand these words in Psalm 27 that David wrote. Father, I pray that our hearts would be open, that our minds would be open to hear and to understand. Lord, speak to us this morning, I pray, through your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read Psalm 27. The Lord is my, my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers come upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumble and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart shall not, will not be afraid. Though war rise against me, in spite of this, I shall be confident. One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent, he will hide me. He will lift me up upon a rock, and now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, be gracious to me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I shall seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my help. Do not abandon me or forsake me, O oh, my God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Teach me your way, O oh Lord. Lead me in a level path because of my foes. Do not deliver me over, the desires of my, over to the desires of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me, such as breathe out violence. I would have despaired unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. As we go back to the beginning of Psalm, there in the first six verses of Psalm 27, in these verses, David is finding trust and he's finding security. He's feeling protected. And there's acceptance and assurance from the Lord here. And for all of us in our lives, these are very important. We all want to feel loved. We want to feel unconditional love. We want to be cared for. We want to be listened and heard. We want to have value and be accepted. And yeah, we want to be protected from the harm and evil around us. 
And so in the beginning of this, we see David, he's finding his trust here. He's finding security. And as a result of this, David's heart is confident and he sings out to the Lord. He sings praises to God. And so let's look at a few of these these things that that David is praising the Lord about. And one of them is the protection of the Lord. In the first verse there, David says, The Lord is my light and my salvation, my deliverance. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. What is a stronghold? In Bible times, a stronghold was it was a walled city or it was a, it was a tower. And in, in this city or in this tower, it could be easily defended. It could be, be defended by a group of, of soldiers. And the city of Jerusalem was one of these cities. It was, it was a hard city to, to conquer because it had walls and it was raised in elevation. And actually, the city of Jerusalem was not a part of the kingdom of Israel until David, under David's reign. But here David boldly says that the Lord is his salvation. He's my deliverance. Of whom shall I fear? He is a stronghold. He's the defense of my life. Whom should I be afraid? And then he goes on in verse 3 and he says, Though an army encamp against me, though war rise against me, in spite of all of this, I will be confident. We see there is trust here in David's life. David feels safe, and he says his heart will not fear. We, as the Lord's children, we should also find that love, that safety, that protection. We want to feel safe and secure, and we we should be confident in the Lord. I think it was about in 2003, it was... My wife and I, Becky, we went to Kenya for the first time. And it was while we were in Kenya that we met a, we met a man from Congo. His name was Samuel. And, and Samuel was an incredible man. And he had an incredible story. And Samuel shared with us that, that in 2003, Congo was in the midst of a civil war. And, and while Samuel was there during the civil war, he was captured by some, some rebel soldiers. There was, I think, about five soldiers they captured him, and, and they, they took him away. They, they led him out to, to a lake, and, and at the shore of the lake, they, they told him, you kneel down and say your last prayer. They were going to kill him. Samuel, he, he knelt down, and he began to pray. And if you knew this man, Samuel, he could pray. And as he began to pray, these soldiers behind him started arguing among themselves. And they were arguing about who was going to get to shoot him. And Samuel, he's praying, and he comes to the end of his prayer, and, and these soldiers are still arguing, and he doesn't know what to do. So he, finally he gets up, and he begins to walk away from the soldiers, expecting that at any moment he would be shot in the back. But the Lord protected him. The soldiers continued to argue among themselves, and, and he totally walked away from them. Walked away and, and fled to Kenya as a refuge. But the Lord protected Samuel. But you may say, yeah, that's in Kenya. What about here? 
Just think back just a few months ago of Chad and Mashonda Ramsire and their family. Chad and Jordan and Grant were in a, in a really bad accident. But the Lord protected them. Their family testifies to that. Yes, there was broken bones and there's emotional scars, but, but God protected them. Just a week ago, a week ago Saturday, Mel Shetler, we, we prayed for him last Sunday. Mel Shetler had a massive heart attack, was rushed to the hospital. They did all kinds of tests this week trying to discover what happened to Mel, why he had this heart attack, and they couldn't find any blockage. The doctor come in and, and told Mel, I think it was on Wednesday, he said, do you know how many people go through this experience and walk out of here? He said, none. That's God's protection over his people. And these are examples of God's physical protection for us, but there is spiritual protection as well. And in John 10, Jesus is, is talking and he he says, I am the good shepherd. And what is the role of a shepherd? The, the role of a shepherd is, is Jesus says, I walk before you. He provides for us. He leads us. He also protects us. Jesus said, I will lay down my life for you. As a shepherd, he laid down his life. That was salvation. That was what Keith was leading us in this morning and reminding us of the salvation of the Lord but also he protects us spiritually from the enemy because he goes on and he says that we are the Lord's, we are his, and that nobody can take us out, nobody can snatch us out of his hand. We are protected by the Lord. So we go on to verse four. David says, one thing I have asked from the Lord that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. Just stop and think a little bit about what David is saying. If there was one thing in, the, in your life that you could ask the Lord, what would it be? What would you want to ask? What would be the most important thing that you would want to ask? But by David saying he's asking, he's seeking the Lord David is more than asking for guidance here. David is committing himself to the Lord. He's committing himself to the ways of God. He's committing himself to walk the way God wants him to walk. He's all in. He wants to live according to the ways of the Lord, according to God's standard and his direction and his demands on his life. And as a result of this, David says, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. He wants to behold the beauty, the delightfulness of God. He wants to rejoice in that. And what does that look like? I believe that looks like of us, of us being surrounded like we are here as a church, of us being surrounded by God's people and to fellowship and to hear, to, to hear what God is doing in each other's lives. The delightfulness of God. What is God doing how is he answering prayers in our lives today among his people? And David finds great assurance and acceptance in this. To be a part of God's family, to be adopted, to be a son or daughter. Our hearts feel warm and we feel accepted. There's assurance there. We want to dwell 
among God's people. We want to see the beauty, the delightfulness of God, and we feel trust and security there. And this is spring. This, is, this feels good. This is warm. Our skin feels the warmth of the sun. But what happens? All of a sudden, a cloud, a storm comes up, and it begins to snow. All of a sudden, God feels distant. He doesn't feel close anymore, and we feel abandoned. We feel forsaken. I believe this is where David finds himself in the, in the next six verses, in verses 7 to 12, because he uses words and phrases. He says, hear me when I cry. Answer me. Do not hide your face. Do not abandon or forsake me. Deliver me. All of a sudden, the snow is falling. It feels cold outside. But the Lord says, he says, seek my face. In David's heart, he says, in his heart, he says, your face I will seek. In the depth of my heart, in the depth of David's heart, he knows that he should seek the Lord. But he's still struggling on the inside. He's still struggling with these feelings and the fear that is creeping into his heart. He says, God, don't turn your face away. What happens when these feelings of rejection come pouring into my heart? You know, there's many ways in our lives that, that we face rejection. And we face rejection by, often by the people in our lives that who should love us and accept us. We face rejection by a spouse. We can face rejection from a, from a parent, or a parent can reject their child. We can face rejection from friends or, or peers or school classmates in school. What happens when we find that, when we, fa- when we experience that fear or that, that fear of rejection? What happens to us? Sometimes in that relationship, we, we close that door to that relationship because it hurts. And we become very guarded and, and it affects our relationships with other people. And if we aren't careful, we become bitter and angry. When we become bitter and angry, we become a slave. We become somebody that we were not created to be. We become controlled by the past. And the pain of rejection defines our lives, defines who we are. Ephesians 4 it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Forgiveness is probably one of the hardest things in life. Because when we forgive somebody there's a price that is paid. In order for, for forgiveness to happen, there's a cost. Christ Jesus was the greatest example of that. He died. He gave his life in order that I may have forgiveness. 
In order that I might be forgiven, he gave his life. And when I, when I forgive others, what am I doing? What am I saying? I am saying I set you free. I will pay the price. I will no longer hold this against you. In this psalm, it seems like David is struggling with this in his mind. He knows the answer, but he desires to feel it in his heart. In the midst of this process, David pours out his heart. He's just completely honest with God. And he's so honest, it's almost scary. David says the things that sometimes I only think. I'm too afraid to actually verbalize it. But from that, I can take encouragement because, because the Lord describes David as a man after his own heart. And the things that he prays out loud, the way he verbalizes this to the Lord, he, he just shares exactly what's on his heart. And he's just open and honest with God. So often in my life, I find myself, in my mind, I know that I am a child of God. I know that he loves me and he cares about me and that he will protect me. But my faith and my trust begin to waver and the fear starts creeping into my life and I begin to question, God, do you care? Do you know what's happening here in my life? You now I come to church and I hear the word of God and I feel God speaking to my heart and a desire to change, and, and I walk out of church with resolve, and I'm saying, yes, I want to do that. Yes, I want to live my life the way God wants me to. I'm committed to your ways. I'm committed to way, living my life the way you want me to. But then my week starts, and, and Monday rolls around, and Tuesday and Wednesday, and I, fall my, I find myself falling back. So how does David conclude Psalm 27? How does he handle the situation that he finds himself in? Where does David turn? David draws on his faith. He draws on the confidence. He remains confident in the Lord. He says, I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord. Is your confidence, is your faith in the goodness of the Lord are you able to wait for the Lord to move? And as you wait, do you reflect on how God has moved in your own life and in the lives of others? And do you find that assurance? Do you see the goodness of God at work? I believe it is then that I experience that I be, I'm able to see and experience the goodness of God. It becomes, it goes from my mind to my heart as I see God keeping his promises. I experience the little things of God moving in my life. You know, so often I believe we want to see the, the really neat, the amazing, the, the miracles of God, and them are, them are awesome when God moves in a miraculous way. But let us not lose sight of the small things of God. How he moves in the small ways in our lives, the experiences that we see God moving in those things as well.
Let us walk with the Spirit. And I believe as we do that, it starts moving from my mind to my heart through these experiences of God. I begin to understand the deep love of God and begin to grow in my faith. In verse 14, it says we are told to wait on the Lord. So what does waiting in faith look like? Well, let's take a little boy, for example. This little boy, in the morning, his dad tells him, he says, when I come home from work, I'm going to take you fishing. And so the dad leaves and goes to work, and what does the little boy do? Well, he goes back to bed, and he goes and crawls in bed, and he says, I'll just sleep and wait for dad to come home, and he'll wake me up. No, I don't believe so. That little boy, he's excited, and he goes, and he gets out all his fishing tackle, and he opens it up, and he makes sure everything is just right. It's ready. And he goes, and he gets all the fishing poles out, and he he checks his string, and he makes sure that everything is, is ready, and he puts it at the back door, and he's waiting for his dad. He's looking out the window, and he's, he's waiting for his dad's car to come home from work. I believe that's, that's faith in action. That's, that's waiting. He's waiting for his daddy to move. He's waiting for his daddy to come. Or what about a farmer? You know, there's over 75,000 farmers just in the state of Ohio. And what do those farmers do every spring? Every spring, those farmers go out and they plant seed in the ground. Why do they do that? Is it because they're crazy? No, it's not because they're crazy. It's faith in action. They're putting seed in the ground. They're planting that seed, and then they wait. They wait for that seed. The seed has to die first, but then it grows, and it produces a harvest. They're waiting on the Father. They are waiting on God to move and to produce a harvest. You know, just the other week, I got a phone call from, from our son. And Isaac is at college at Rosedale, and he, and he called me the evening, and he said, Dad, the car's not running right. And he's two hours away, and how am I, you know, what can I do to help him? He's actually at a restaurant with some friends, and they're eating. And, and so I'm like, man, what, am I, what are we going to do here? And man, right away, these doubts of fear start creeping in. And, and so we talk a little bit more, and, and we're not sure if Isaac can get the car back to the school, but, but we talked through that a little bit, and, and he was going to try to get back to the school. And a little bit later, he calls me and he says, yeah, I was able to get the car back to the school, but it still broke down. It's still not running right. So, so what are we going to do? I, he's two hours away, and, and this car still isn't running. And you know, if I would be honest, if I'm honest with you, as, as David was here, I, I just really wanted to say, God, what are you doing? Do you know what you're doing here? I got enough things that I'm trying to, to juggle, I'm trying to shuffle, and I'm, I'm stressed out. And Do you know what you're doing, God? Why did you allow the car to break down? And if I'm not careful with that attitude, it spills over into my relationship with my wife, and it spills over into my relationship with Isaac. And in my frustration, I, 
I start treating them unfairly. And then with God, I begin to question and fears and rejection come, come creeping in and I begin to doubt. God, do you know what you're doing? But you know, as I look back at that situation, I can sure see the hand of God at work in my life, in our lives. I can see his protection because Isaac was able to get the car back to the school and it didn't break down along, he didn't break down along the road. And, God, and Isaac was able to, he was able to, um, to borrow a car from a friend and he was able to get around at school to the places that he needed to go. And through the course of time, God provided a way for us to bring the car back here to be able to get it in and to be able to get it worked on and be able to get it fixed. So I could see, I can see now the hand of God was at work and his protection was there. I knew in my mind at the time that God loved me, but I sure didn't feel it in my heart at that time. What is one thing What is one situation in your life right now, this morning, that God is asking you to give to him? God is asking you to take a step of faith. You'll need to trust him. You need to have confidence in the Lord. But he's asking you to give him this situation to step back from it and to wait to have faith in action to wait on the Lord for him to move you know the situation that you're thinking of maybe nobody else knows about it maybe it's just you and God but he's asking you to give it to him this morning. He's asking you to have courage to be all in, to desire to live your life according to God's ways. In this process, you're going to need to remember the goodness of the Lord. The Lord delights in you. He loves you. He cares about you but you're also going to need to wait for the Lord to move. Unwavering faith is faith in action. It's knowing in your heart that you are his child and that you can completely trust him. So this morning as I close in prayer, I invite you, I encourage you, Whatever the Lord has brought to your mind, would you pray with me and would you give that situation to the Lord? Maybe that's writing it down on your insert, putting it in your Bible or taking it with you. And that may be even sharing it with a friend, someone who will pray with you. Whatever that situation is, I just invite you, I encourage you to to give it to the Lord this morning. Would you pray with me?
Father, thank you for your amazing love, for your protection over each and every one of us, Father. Lord, this morning I pray, I pray for my brothers and sisters that have gathered here together. Lord, you, you know our lives. You know each of our hearts. You know what we are struggling with, Lord. You know the things that I struggle with in my life. Father, I pray that we would, we would run to you as our daddy because you delight in us. And Father, that we would have patience, that we would wait upon you, that our faith would be action even when it is waiting, that you would give us the courage to wait upon you. Lord, I pray that in each of these situations, Lord, that you would move. Lord, that you would accomplish those things that you want to accomplish in our lives. Lord, that we would surrender our lives to you. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you delight in your children, that you love us and you care about us. You see all the details of our lives, Father. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.